Good morning. Uh, please turn to Hebrews chapter 8. And I contend this morning uh, that Hebrews chapter 8 is one of the single most important chapters in all of Scripture. And I say that because your entire Bible from chapter 1 all the way through the very end of Scripture is all about the covenant. Okay, we're first introduced to the whole covenant concept really in chapter 12 after the world falls into total chaos and the rest of your Bible is all answering the question, how does God fulfill the covenant? Okay, I cannot overstate the importance of us understanding what God is talking about to us in Hebrews chapter 8. Okay, so here's my illustration this morning. Okay, men, uh, I want you to imagine for just a moment that your wife comes to you while you're watching television and she asks you, dear, would you please take out the trash? Okay, and have you ever heard that before? You've been, none of you men have ever had to take out the trash. Okay, well just imagine for a moment that your wife asked you to take out the trash. Okay, and now imagine though that you're in the middle of watching an important football game. Okay, right in the middle of important plays, everything's going well for your team, everything's very exciting, you're watching what's going on, and so you tell your wife, honey, I will happily take out the trash, just give me a minute, wait for there to be a commercial break, at the commercial break, I will happily take out the trash. Okay, and she says, that's great, that's fine, that's wonderful. Okay, now what happens though is the commercial break occurs and you're distracted, Okay, at this point, either something's come up on your phone, one of your children needs something, something else has come up in your life, and you were distracted, and it has completely slipped your mind to take out the trash. Okay, now, did you break your word to your wife? Yes. Yes, you did. Okay? You told her you're going to do something, you didn't do it, you broke your commitment. Now, should that ruin your marriage? Should that destroy the covenant relationship that you have with your wife? No. All right, now I want you to imagine a different scenario. Okay, I want you to imagine that in your marriage, the husband decides that he doesn't really like his wife as much as when they first got married. Okay, he thought marriage was going to be one way, now it's something different, and so he decides in order to be happy, he needs to leave his wife and go marry somebody else. Okay, did the man break his word? Absolutely. Okay, but is there a difference between breaking his word regarding taking out the trash versus leaving his wife for another woman? Okay, I certainly hope so, right? In the second case, it is a much more fundamental, a much more important, a much more earth-shattering way of breaking your word than when one of us says, we'll we'll do this chore, and then we get distracted and forget about it. My point is, both stories are about breaking a commitment, and yet one of these is about the daily imperfections we live with in a relationship, and the other is about abandoning a covenant relationship entirely. Okay, when we talk about our covenant relationship with God here in Hebrews chapter 8, hey, we are not talking about the daily struggles where some days we live it better than others. Okay, you know what it's like to feel that some days you're closer to God than others. You know what it's like to have certain sins you struggle with and you feel like, okay, I know this isn't right. Okay, we have our daily struggles, our daily imperfections. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a lot of times, there's a lot of ways in my walk with God that I break my commitments. I'm talking about forgetting to take out the trash kinds of things. 
Okay, but even in those daily ups and downs in my spiritual walk, I never leave the relationship that I have with God. Okay, this morning, we are talking about something much more akin to the marriage vows that we make to be faithful to one person for the rest of our lives. In our commitment relationship with God, we are talking about the foundation of your life. And in Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews demonstrates that Jesus is the priest of a better covenant relationship. Right, so here's where we are in Hebrews, uh, the very middle part of the book. The big point of last week was chapter 7, okay, which is to show us that Jesus is a better priest than the Levitical priests. Okay, if you remember that last week, we talked about the reason Jesus is so important is because he has done something for us that we never could have done for ourselves. All right, now, the point of this week, chapter 8, is showing that Jesus is, a be- is the priest of a better covenant. Okay, chapter 9, we'll get to in a couple weeks, which focuses on how Jesus works at a better tabernacle. Right, and you notice in all of these examples, we are comparing Jesus to how it works in Judaism. Right, and again, I don't think that the temptation for the people reading this for the first time is to think, oh, okay, we're going to go back to being Jews again. Okay, I don't think that is their struggle. I think what's going on here is they are looking around, they see all these big impressive temples in the city of Ephesus or wherever they are around them, and they look at themselves and they say, okay, we're in this little house church, there's 30 or 40 of us maybe at the most. Does it really matter if we continue to meet every week as the church? I think on that church growth chart we showed a couple weeks ago, they're already hitting decline, and they're starting to question, does it really matter if we continue with this Jesus thing or not? I think Hebrews is telling them and telling us, you have to persevere because following Jesus is more important than anything else you can possibly do with your life. You look around and see a small house church, but it is so much bigger than that. If you truly understand Jesus, it is worth everything. All right, notice chapter 8 and verse 1. He says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain." But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. All right, when I was a little kid, uh, probably about five or six I got a little plastic basketball game, much like the one on this picture. Any of you, when you were a kid, have this? Any 90s kids remember a toy like this? Okay, and it was really cool. Mine had blue buttons on one side, red buttons on the other. 
And the way you plate it is there's a little plastic ball in there about the size of a marble. And when it's on a certain spot on the basketball court, if you hit the paddle that the number corresponds to the, the hole that your button is on, okay, it'll shoot the basket towards the goal. And if you hit it with just the right amount of force, you can make it go through the hoop and score baskets. Okay, I remember dominating my little sister at push-button basketball. Okay, it was epic. Be impressed. Right, I played a lot with that little basketball toy, okay, and it was a lot of fun. But would anybody confuse that game with the game that Michael Jordan was playing in the evenings when I was watching him in the 90s? Okay, they're both basketball, right? But would anybody think that pushing my little buttons was anywhere near what Jordan and Pippen were doing for the Bulls? And by the way, they're better than LeBron and KD and all those people playing today, just to settle that argument, just in case you were curious. All right, they're both basketball. One was a real thing, and then my plastic game was a copy. Okay, here's the point of Hebrews chapter 8. If you only hear one thing this morning, hear this. Okay, the covenant of Jesus gives us access not to a copy, but to reality. When we are part of the covenant of Jesus Christ, we don't have access just to a copy anymore. Now we have access to reality. Right, a common assumption in Judaism during the New Testament era uh, was that heaven and earth were pretty far apart from each other. But there were some places on earth where the barrier was very thin. There were some places on earth where there was overlap between heaven and earth. For instance, Mount Sinai was such a place where heaven and earth were joined together. They believed also at the temple that heaven and earth were joined together. And that when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat sat on the Ark of the Covenant, that he was really going into the throne room of God. It was a close place where heaven and earth overlapped. Worship at the temple, therefore, is a very big, important deal because God is there in a joining of heaven and earth. Okay, but I want you to notice the bold claim that our text makes this morning in Hebrews 8. He says that while that temple might look impressive, okay, and again, for most of the people living in the ancient world, the temple would be the biggest, most impressive building they would have ever seen. Okay, Hebrews says that is nothing more than a shadow. It is a cheap copy of the reality of the glory that we have access to in Jesus. Okay, that big temple might look impressive, but it's about like looking at my little plastic basketball game and thinking, oh, that's what basketball is. It is nothing more than a copy of the splendor of heaven where Jesus right now is interceding on our behalf. Okay, the amazing nature of the covenant of Jesus is that we have moved from the copy and now have access to the real thing. And so how, after tasting that reality, after being part of the true covenant people of God, okay, I don't care how church seems small and unimportant to you, how could you ever consider letting anything get between you and that access that you have to the reality of the presence of God Almighty? 
Being a part of the covenant of Jesus is everything. It gives us access to the reality of God himself. Right? Notice verse 8. He says, But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Right, these verses in the middle of Hebrews 8 form one of the lengthiest Old Testament quotations in the entire New Testament. Okay, he's lifting these verses straight out of Jeremiah 31, and he's demonstrating for us why we so desperately needed a new covenant in the first place. All right, recently, I noticed Luke using the phrase, or something. Okay, for instance, he'll say, oh, I want to go do da 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 or something. I want to watch this show on TV, or something. I want to go outside and do whatever, or something. I was wondering, why in the world does he keep adding the phrase, or something, on the end of his sentences? Okay, and that was really bothering me, and then one day, I'm sitting there next to him, and I said, hey Luke, do you want this to eat, or something? I thought, there it is, right? Okay, your kids will learn a whole lot more by watching your behavior, right, than they ever will by the things you tell them. Okay, and in fact, your kids often will turn out to be just like you. Children inevitably turn into their parents. Okay, I saw a statistic the other day that said that 73% of men who are physically abusive to kids experience physical abuse from their parents when they were kids. Okay? In other words, if my kids grow up and see me solve problems with violence, then what are they going to do when they run into problems in the world? Are they going to react with reasoned discourse? No, they're going to get violent. Why? Because that's how they saw they're supposed to interact when they have problems. Okay, and then how are they going to raise their kids? Okay, with violence. And then if I watch my grandkids, what are they going to do? They're going to react with violence. Okay, it is a cycle. Anyone who does any kind of social work or counseling will tell you that one of the only ways any of this will ever get fixed is if at some point we break the cycle. Okay, at some point, somebody has to decide we're not going to use violence to solve our problems anymore, and then kids will learn that lesson instead. Okay? Um, it turns out, talking to my dad, I learned that several generations of Chisholms were yellers. Okay, every single time they ran into a problem, they yelled. All right, my dad made a very conscious decision that he was not going to yell at his children. Okay, I can't remember my dad yelling. Okay, um, in fact, when my dad was going to get us in trouble, he started talking really quietly. Because when your dad starts talking really quietly and you have to listen really closely to hear what he's saying, that's when it gets scary. Okay, all right, okay. Now, what am I doing with my kids? I'm not good at yelling because I grew up in a house where I didn't learn it. Okay? My dad broke that cycle, okay? and I'm very grateful that he did. 
All right. I want you to think back to the days of the prophet Jeremiah. Okay, when Jeremiah was writing the, the verses of Jeremiah 31 that we're reading about in Hebrews chapter 8. And think of what was going on in Israel at the time. Okay, Israel has already suffered defeat at the hands of the Assyrians. Okay, now Judah is about to be destroyed by the Babylonians. Okay, but is this the first time that the people of God have suffered defeat? Okay, no. In fact, about every 20 minutes, the people of God were being beaten by somebody because every time they got beaten by somebody, they cried out to God and said, God, okay, we repent. We're never going to go back to our wicked ways. Now we're going to follow you with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. And God said, okay, I'm bringing you back to me. Everything's going to be great. He would send them a deliverer. God would deliver the people of Israel. And then how long would it be before they would fall back into sin? About 20 minutes, right? And we have to repeat that cycle over and over and over again. And Jeremiah is prophesying, saying God is about to do it again. The Babylonians are coming and they will destroy you, but there is hope. The cycle will be broken. The way it's going to be broken is that God will break the cycle. God will create a new covenant, In that new covenant, we're not going to go back and forth between, okay, now we repent and we're okay with God, but now we sin and we're away from God and we go through this cycle over and over again because in the new covenant, God is going to make it where we're always with God. You realize how radical that is? In that day, there will be no need for us to move in and out of the covenant with God because he will make us holy. A day is coming in which God will act so powerfully that even when we struggle, God will already have forgiven our sins permanently. This is the day the people eagerly awaited, and Hebrews is declaring to us that that day is here. Here's number two if you're taking notes. The covenant of Jesus breaks the cycle of transgression and forgiveness. Okay, I lied to you earlier. If I want you to hear just one thing that I say this morning, let it be this one. Okay? The covenant of Jesus breaks the cycle of transgression and forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we don't live in this cycle of sometimes being okay with God and sometimes being condemned for our sins. Okay, we talked about this last week briefly, but we need to realize how profound this is. If we are in a relationship with Jesus, we are saved. We are made holy. Not will be someday or hope if we live long enough we'll be saved. We are saved. Okay, now, yes, we still struggle in our sins. Okay, but our struggle is a whole lot more like the husband who forgets to take out the trash than it is like the husband who leaves his wife. Our sins will still cause problems in the relationship, but they don't put our relationship with God in jeopardy. There's a whole lot more that we could say about this, but I hope you'll spend some time meditating on what this means to us. If you are a Christian, you are saved today because of the covenant relationship of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 13, then we can be done. He says, By calling this covenant new, He's made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Okay, here's number three, and that is that the covenant of Jesus replaces everything. Okay, what is outdated, what is obsolete, will soon disappear. 
Um, I was thinking about that this week and thinking about things that we used to use all the time uh, that either have become outdated and obsolete or are very quickly becoming outdated and obsolete. Here's a few that I thought of. Uh, the first one is pay phones. Uh, my kids will never know what this is, right? Uh, the second thing is console televisions. Uh, that looks exactly like the TV that Rachel and I had when we first got married, and we were grateful for it because it was free, right? Uh, phone books. Um, you can't find these anymore. Why? Because we don't need them anymore, and yet for some reason they still print them. Okay, fax machines. All right, um, I think Titus told me he's never actually used a fax machine, which just makes me feel old. Okay, uh, the next thing is printed books are quickly going out of style because we've all got our little readers now. Uh, and finally, a new one that's kind of troubling to me is the idea of carrying cash. All right, people just don't carry money anymore. Why? Because I've got a piece of plastic that will do that. Okay, now, was there anything wrong with any of the things I just showed you? Did they all work the way they were supposed to? So why have we moved on? Because we have something better. We have something that does more for us. We have something that has made those things unnecessary for our lives. Okay, all of these things are going away and disappearing, not because they don't work. Okay, but because when something better comes along, we leave the old behind. Okay, Hebrews is declaring to us that Jesus is better. The only way you want to have a relationship with God is through the covenant of Jesus Christ. It fulfills everything. It does everything for you. Okay, I don't care what other commitments and obligations you have in your life. The obligation that you have to Jesus is the most important by far because your success or failure in the entirety of your life is completely dependent upon whether or not you are in that covenant relationship with Jesus. That's everything. All right, at this time in our service, we are going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or study with you from Scripture more about what it means to uh, follow Jesus Christ, what it means to put him on in baptism and be a Christian and live in his kingdom and his covenant. Uh, we would love to be here as a church for you during this song. If you have a prayer request or need anything, we can help you with. Um, but before we sing that song, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. If you have a need, come now while we stand and sing.